So you're not being hacked, but there's something really wrong here. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Terrifying Robot Dog. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Kelly Shaver. And we're here to talk about how technology is changing the way we interact with the world. This week is Gadget Week. We'll be talking about iPad Pro, Google Daydream, Google Assistant, and Google Home. It's very googly in here, don't you think? <laughs> yeah, that, that, that one lone Apple product is kind of the odd one out this week. <laughs> yes. Please stay tuned. Terrifying Robot Dog is next. <laughs> the lowly iPad Pro. Well, the Google... The lowly iPad. Yes, Google had a big Google I.O. about a week ago. I somehow missed this. It was really cool. There were some mind-blowing things going on in the Googleplex. And we can talk about a couple of those today. But first, let's start with the iPad Pro. I think actually to me, from the outside, having not played with one of these, I think the pencil mm -hmm. is the is really the more interesting gadget. Uh, yeah, I was I was more impressed with the whole package than I expected to be. Um, we recently acquired an iPad Pro with a type cover and a pencil. And by we recently acquired, I mean I purchased and then gave it to my child because I'm that kind of parent. <laughs> so my experience with it has been limited because, you know, it's hard to pry it out of her hands. <laughs> <laughs> she likes but, it. But, yeah, she loves it. She loves it. Um, but I was... I was far more impressed with the whole package than I expected to be because I've I've owned iPads in the past, um, the the nine inch. We have a mini around here, and I mean you know they're they're nice tablets, but I, I wasn't really blown away by them. And the iPad Pro, we have the the twelve point nine inch, hmm. um, which in my opinion, if you're going to get the Pro, that's the one to get. And what are the? I don't even know what the size options are. They now they have the Pro now available in the the twelve point nine inch and then like the regular nine point seven original iPad size. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah, it, and it kind of blew me away. Mm. I thought I heard comment was really funny. With the keyboard case, it's almost like a laptop. Yeah, <laughs> imagine that. That's yeah. that's why we got it. Um, because it is it is big enough and powerful enough for her to use it um, as a laptop uh, through high school because they do everything online. Mm. Um, all of their all of their documents and and all that stuff is all cloud based anyway. So that gotcha. was one of the reasons we got that for her for her birthday. Okay, so so to someone who has have used tons and tons of iPads, but never one that large. And I mean, what what's the difference? Like, why is it different? Does this does this does size matter, Kelly? Is that what you're trying to tell us, or is it <laughs> I'm more trying about to tell you the software is different too? I'm I'm trying to tell you that for for some specific purposes size matters. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, first of all, for an iPad that large, it's surprisingly light because iPads are not light. Mm. And um, but yeah, the uh, it is big enough to use it quote unquote as a laptop. Mm. And for if you're going to be doing a lot of web browsing um, and a lot of typing, which presumably with the keyboard cover, you could do a lot more easily than touch typing on a, on an iPad screen. Mm. Um, having the larger size is really nice. Right. Cause then the keyboard's not even taking up the real estate visually. So it's not just yeah. easier to type. It gives you right. more and real you estate. Don't get a, and you don't get a squished keyboard that you have to try and a squished physical keyboard on a cover or something that you have to try and type on. You actually have enough room for the full size keyboard with the mm. standard spacing between keys and all that. Yep. And now you can in the, it has like a split screen mode. Mm hmm which is available on some of the smaller models as well, as I understand it, but is 
in his full fruition comes to full fruition on the pro you can do like full sort of half screen you know two apps running at the same time yeah 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 like a tile a tiled window layout sort of like yep um not actual windows but you know what i mean right you get that you get that tiled layout <laughs> right uh yeah so i mean it's 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 nice for that and w- one of the main reasons cura was interested in it, in addition to having it to to use for schoolwork is she's getting really into digital art these days and she's getting really good at it and that was something that we want to encourage so mm. the 12 point the, the 12.9 inch larger size for doing the artwork is really great mm. she'd been drawing on a mini prior to this and just the upgrade has been really nice for her for that wow yeah everything i've heard about the pencil my dad's going to everything i've heard about mm-hmm. the pencil is that it's it's surprisingly um realistic i guess in terms of fidelity to the actual uh what are those pencils those uh art pencils called the, the drawing pencils yeah 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 see when apple first announced it i was like 100 bucks for a pencil <laughs> <laughs> and then i used it and i'm like that that's not overpriced at all <laughs> yeah. it's it's that good hmm. interesting so what sorts of like what's the what's the like does she open up a drawing application to do this in, or is it the kind of thing that is you can do inside of lots of other applications, like a chat application that would normally allow you to like scribble with your finger or, or what is there like Photoshop for iPad? Yeah. Anything that will let you, like you said, scribble with your finger, you can use the pencil on. Mm. Um, she uses a program called procreate. (laughs) Uh, we looked into iPad or sorry, Photoshop for the iPad, and it's it's mostly the photo retouching tools. There's not a lot of actual tools in it for creating digital art. Hmm. At least that's what she said. Um, I haven't I haven't looked, but I'm just I'm just going on her word here on that. Um, so it may be wrong, but <laughs> she ended up getting uh, getting Procreate instead, and it's a it's a great drawing app. Well, that's very cool. And now, do you have to charge the pencil? Uh, yes, you do. Oddly, um, you do have to charge it. Uh, I know they showed photos of people sticking the end of the pencil in the plug on the bottom of the iPad. That's how they show it being charged into the port on the bottom of the iPad, which looks like it would be stupidly easy to break the pencil and the iPad. Uh, But it does actually come with a little gender changer thing. So you can use a regular lightning cord and don't have to have it plugged into your iPad. Mm. Gotcha. Oh, that's, that's, I have one of my, one of my sort of, driving business goals mm-hmm. is to be able to get rid of the laptop and just operate really off my phone. Like I want to be able to run my whole business off my phone and not have to carry mm-hmm. a laptop around. Right. And I'm sure that's not going to happen like one, like overnight one day, but I, I could imagine myself going to a tablet, maybe mm-hmm. uh, like stepping it down and getting used to it. Cause the big switch isn't really the form factor. It's going to iOS from Mac OS 10. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the big switch. Um, because I I do have a we have another large tablet here. I have the Samsung Galaxy Billboard. Um, <laughs> the Samsung uh, Galaxy Jumbotron. Yeah, yeah, it's the Galaxy Tab Pro Twelve. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, which of course runs Android. And I mean, I I like Android a little better than iOS personally. Mm-hmm. So for for me, you know, I don't I don't know I don't know that I prefer. I'd love to have the hardware of of the iPad Pro mm-hmm. with the software on the Galaxy Tab. Mm. Yeah, I'm a, a huge Android fan too, but 
you know, iOS, they, they do the stuff they do, right. They do it really, really right. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's true. It's just that we're, you know, we're, we're power, you and I, we're power users. Mm -hmm. We want to tinker and customize and, and, and do things like that. Whereas a lot of people don't need that. So iOS is, is great. Yeah. It's kind of like a fundamental difference between the, the, between Apple and Google really, mm -hmm. which segues nicely into <laughs> Google uh, I.O. Yeah. Well, is there anything anything else about the iPad Pro or the pencil that people should know about before we switch over to the dark side? Uh, the pencil is it has a nice nice weight to it. It's very it's very well balanced with a nice weight. feels feels good for drawing. Um, much 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 greater accuracy and fidelity than just your average stylus. Mm -hmm. Your your average meat pointer. Yeah, yeah, or even or even your average little like pin looking thing with a capacitive nib on the end right capacitive nib so is the how do you not lose it is there like a integrated holder on the case or something or magnetic or uh sadly no there's not but we also bought her a case for the whole thing like, in, in hopes of preventing that <laughs> it should come with like an eye pocket protector that costs two hundred dollars yeah a, a two hundred dollar eye pocket protector yeah right with with uh wireless charging yeah, yeah. <laughs> Charge the pocket protector. <laughs> now you'd think the you'd think the the cover that they have for it would have a little elastic loop or something that you could put the pencil in, but it doesn't. So hmm. yeah, whatever. Yeah. All right, cool. So that sounds really. I'm I'm looking forward to trying one out. I could be tempted off of my MacBook Air. Yeah, I was extremely impressed with it. Much hmm. much more than I expected to be, and it just as a as a digital artist, I think. Yeah. Well, anyway, we won't go into it. We've dragged on about it enough. But, <laughs> but worth the money. In your I think so, your yes. If you're, if you're seriously, if you're out somewhere and you want something that's super portable where you can have a tablet-like experience and do some laptop-like productivity or, or do a lot of digital art or something like that, then yeah, I think it is worth the investment. Cool. All right. And with that, we'll switch over to the dark side. So <laughs> I guess it was a week or two weeks ago, Google had their annual developers conference called Google IO and the the theme for sure was machine learning and AI mm -hmm. which you know Apple at their in their heart of hearts I think they know they're a hardware company and they make software that makes the hardware more beautiful basically and I suppose there's a lot there's a two-way street there making the hardware better to support the kind of software they want to make and all of that uh, but they are definitely not a cloud computing company. It's certainly not their core no. strength. And anybody... No, it's, it's one of their biggest weaknesses, actually. Hmm. Anybody who's tried to do anything with iCloud. <laughs> yeah, it's... The other day, not to bash on Apple, but I love bashing Apple. Um, the other day, <laughs> I love their hardware. I hate their software. Um, I had to... I wanted to let Erica borrow my Apple watch because she's really into knitting these days and she wanted to try out one of these stitch counter things, which is a great use case for having a smartwatch where you could mm -hmm. tap on the screen to increase the stitch count so you know where you are in your thing and you don't have to, you know, instead of using like a sticky note on a piece of paper, it's, it's kind of involved anyway. So I was like, oh, this would be great. I'm not, I don't wear this thing anymore anyway. And she just really needs it around the house. So the charging thing might not be a big deal. It took me over an hour to get that thing switched over to connect to her phone, like okay. disconnect from my phone and connect to her phone. I had to, I had to like 
go into iCloud. I had to mess around with find my iPhone settings. I had to reset the watch. I had to remove it from my account. I had to add it to her account. I had to make her an authorized. It was like. That's crazy. It was it was as bad as my Xbox story. Oh, yeah. Yes. Dear listener, go back and look for the Xbox story. It was it was the second worst experience. I mean, you know, and for a company that's supposedly all about user experience, it's like they tend to not to go too far down the rabbit hole here, but I feel like they, they just imagine what I call the happy path. Like, Oh, Mm -hmm. in a perfect unboxing experience, it will go from here to here, but then they don't, it seems like they'll do that either at the expense of, or just completely neglect to think of any other possible use case. And it just be like, no, everyone will just stay this pristine box delivered to them. No one will ever want to give away their Apple watch or sell their Apple watch. It will only ever need to be connected to this one account. And I suppose you could argue, like, what's how is it in Apple's interest to support a secondary market? But man, wow, it was so bad. And just, like, bad error messages. The whole thing is just mm. bad software. Yeah, I have, a, I have a funny Apple story that I can edit out later to tell you. <laughs> um, over the weekend, I went to log into my Apple ID, and it said my password was wrong, which I knew it wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had to go through the whole reset process. Yep. And then I tried to log in. Your password's wrong. Yeah, I just did the same thing. Yeah, exact I did this like I did this like three or four times over the course of two days. Mm-hmm. And right about that time, I also got an email that said someone in California is trying to access your Facebook account. So I thought, oh, maybe when some maybe someone's trying to get into my stuff, I'm going to go in and turn on two factor authentication on my Apple account because it's the one with the credit card information. So I went in to turn on two factor auth, and it pops up these you know please answer your security questions. I did. It said the answers were wrong. I knew they weren't. I did this a couple more times, and then it locked my account. <laughs> you should have called the FBI. I was still logged in, but I couldn't do anything because it's like your account's locked. So I called Apple, oh. and Apple's like, "Yeah, go here, click this button to create, generate this pin, and let us know what it is so we can verify." And so I generate this pin, and it's like she enters it on her end. It's like it's not verifying it. Let me go through this three or four times. And it locks her out. <laughs> She's like, we're going to have to wait eight hours. There's nothing else to do. I'll have someone call you in the morning. She's like, I can see no one else but the such and such addresses, IP addresses in Kentucky who tried to access your account. So you're not being hacked, but there's something really wrong here. <laughs> so they called me back this morning and they were finally able to get it sorted out. But I had to answer like, I, I practically had to give it, give it a DNA sample to verify my identity because there was no other way they could do it because all of the all the stuff they had built in for account val- verification just was not working. <sighs> so, but yeah, we we finally got it sorted out, and I finally got the two factor auth turned on, and it just, yeah, it was crazy. Yeah. Well, at least. <laughs> I mean, no one can get in, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, no one getting in. It's better than what happened to Richard. What was that? I don't remember <sighs> the story. Someone, some woman in Arizona um, just appeared one day on his Apple ID. Like, all of his information got changed to this woman in Arizona. What? Yeah, including credit card information and everything. And, and Richard logged in and was like, yeah, this is this is her address and blah, blah, blah. And, it, and um, like, he could see, he could see all of, all of her information. Like whenever he logged into his Apple ID account, it was all of her information. And he called up Apple and um oh the thing they did was horrible and scary. They basically looked up this woman's Apple ID, which they also had, 
like she, she'd had an Apple ID and somehow it got messed up and the information got mixed up with him. And they ended up giving him like a temporary password to log into her Apple ID. <gasps> it, yeah, it was ridiculous. To remove himself? To remove himself from her Apple ID. I, that is breathtaking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it happened and we were both like, holy <laughs> No kidding. Yeah, and... And then I think they ended up like locking and resetting her account and stuff, but still. <laughs> Unreal. Yeah, he finally he got his he got his Apple ID back and he's like he got it back and he deleted the card information. He's like, if I ever want to buy anything from Apple, I'll just get iTunes gift cards. Yeah, really? <laughs> yeah. Oof. Okay, so if you needed any more evidence. <laughs> I'm sure a lot of this will get edited out. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. That was a good story. But uh, anyway, um, Google is not perfect, but they are a lot better than that when it comes to software, cloud services in particular. Of course, it's their DNA. That's the whole thing. But what's interesting is that Apple and Google are seen as competitors because of iOS and Android. But really, Apple's basically a hardware company and Google's basically a machine learning company. Mm -hmm. And... And they make their money mostly through advertising, which is that, you know, they completely different business model, completely different mission. So the fact that they're seen as competitors, I'm sure is, I'm sure Google sees Facebook or maybe Amazon as much bigger competitors than Apple. I can't imagine they care about Apple that much. Yeah. I mean, when you, when you think about it, it is kind of, kind of funny. They, they both happen to have mobile operating systems mm. and that that's about it. Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> So at Google I.O., developer conference, they announced a bunch of really cool things. So if you're a nerd, you should really go ahead and spend the hour and a half, two hours to watch the whole thing because there's a ton of cool stuff. But since this is a gadget episode, I'll talk about the gadget stuff. And all of this stuff okay. will be available in the fall of 2016. At least that's the plan. So uh, it's not available right now, but uh, it's fun to talk about. So the first thing is... Uh, Google Daydream, which is, uh, I believe we've talked about cardboard on the show before. We have talked about cardboard on the show before, and I'm starting to see it pop up in all kinds of places. Yeah, so they, they gave some stats about cardboard. So the, the guy who leads the VR department at the VR initiatives at Google came on stage. He was the guy who originally launched cardboard, if I'm not mistaken. He looked, he looked familiar anyway. And mm -hmm. he had some stats about cardboard. He said that um, millions of cardboard viewers have been distributed millions and 50 million uh, cardboard enabled apps have been installed in the t last two years. So, you know, that's not nothing. That's a fair no. amount. No, it's a fair amount. And their, their mission sort of mission uh, for cardboard was, or their view on VR, I should say that they started with cardboard is that they think VR should be mobile approachable and for everyone, which is a clear dig at Oculus selling, yeah. you know, basically, a tethered experience that costs thousands of dollars if you, you know, include the computer that you need to hook up to it. Yeah. 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 It's better than as opposed to a $600 headset on a $2,000 computer. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So they, uh, what they did or what they're doing is that Android N, which is the upcoming operating system, which in fact I have installed on my phone, it's already available. Um, you can't, they, they, I wasn't able to get marshmallow until last week. Really? Yeah, like the AT&T update for Marshmallow just happened like a week ago. Oh, right. Yeah, that's why I buy the Nexus phones, because you can do whatever you want. Yeah, well, live and learn. <laughs> uh, 
So they, uh, let's see, a couple things here. The, the, the newer phones, newer Android phones are going to, uh, have some, geez, how, how do you say this? I think I'm getting this right. They're, they're actually going to have hardware differences that make it easier to create VR experiences and VR is going to be a core competency, if you will, of Android N. So developers will much more easily be able to create virtual reality experiences and they'll be much more high quality viewing wise in terms of head tracking and the, the pixel to photon ratio or whatever it's called uh, to make a, you know, make it a much more convincing experience than even than cardboard, which was pretty good considering, considering everything. Yeah. Considering, considering what it was, it was pretty good. That's, that's really interesting. I'm going to have to watch that talk. Mm. So I got, we'll link to it in the show notes, of course. Um, but what they did, so they're baking, so VR is a big deal for them and they're baking it into the new version of Android, which to me is the right place to bake it, you know, to put it in, in phones. I think phones mm-hmm. are the, certainly the near future of VR. The next couple of years, it's going to be all about smartphones and not, not dedicated headsets, I think. And even cardboard is, I, I'm so excited to see this because cardboard is really convincing. And I recently saw so someone, I was at a conference and somebody gave me a newer cardboard than the one I have. And it's really nice. <laughs> it's like this, it's really nice, like heavy quality construction, the lenses and everything it folds down. It's really small. Mm. It's real. It's really come along. And so I was like, oh, let me, oh, let me fire this thing up. I haven't, uh, I haven't done a VR thing in a while. So I put on, you launch the app and there's sort of like an app store inside of the cardboard app that tells you all of the VR games and things that are available. Yep. Gear VR is the same way. That's cool. So yeah, so I download this one called Sisters, which had a cool little kind of Tim Burton-y Coraline looking icon to it. And Mm -hmm. uh, I install it and, and I put it on and it says for best experience, put your headphones in. So I, you know, I put the headphones in and you're, you, you, spawn into the game. I don't even know what it is. And I'll tell you why you'll, you'll see why I don't know what it is in a second. I spawn into the game and you're sitting on sort of a dilapidated red velvet couch in front of, uh, there's a TV on like a static station. And for the younger ones in the audience, the TV is like this sort of like a large computer type thing that (laughs) channels. (laughs) You'll have to explain static state, like a static station. Yeah, that's right. It's, I don't even know where to start, but anyway, for the old fogies in the audience. So the TV's on a static station and you're inside of this room. Doors are closed. There's like, you know, it's a spooky room. It's night. There's a mm-hmm. thunderstorm brewing outside. Uh, the lights are off and there's spooky music. And I am telling you, I was scared. Like I I'm didn't, you know, I knew I'm in a hotel room in, you know, Newport Beach, California. I'm fine. But my every aspect of my heart rate, my adrenaline, I was like freaking out, right? I'm going to have to check this out. It is so scary, right? Get ready for this. So I'm, I'm like, all right, what I'm, you know, I'm obviously facing the wrong way. There's nothing to do over here. So I'm kind of looking around. I look up, there's, you know, um, chandelier above me. I look back at the TV just in time to see something flicker across the screen that I, I mm-hmm. probably just missed. So I kind of like jump and then I turn around and there's something behind me with, it kind of like it looked like maybe a mannequin or a, a person standing there with like covered by a sheet. It could have been a piece of furniture. I just about shrieked and I ripped <laughs> the thing off my face. 
I couldn't calm down for like 15 minutes. It was so <laughs> scary. It was great. But I mean, this is by, f- this is, this was 10 times more scary than any horror movie I've ever seen. And nothing even <laughs> happened, but you're just, you just feel like you're there. It was so, when I freaking turned around and saw that thing, like whatever it was, oh my God, it's so scary. So anyway, long story <laughs> short, to, to imagine it getting better. <laughs> <laughs> you know, with like, you know, quicker response time, you know, as you turn your head, it just feels realer. Oh, anyway, watch out for sisters. That thing is very spooky. <laughs> anyway, so check it out. yeah, I didn't look under the, on the floor or under the couch or anything. It was yeah, lift up the sheet. Way too scary. So anyway, I, that might be the first time I did it with the, the headphones in, which, which I was thinking about this the other day. Headphones are kind of like virtual reality for your ears. <laughs> yeah, I guess they kind of are. It kind of transport you, right? If you keep your eyes closed, you're like, oh, I'm at the mm-hmm. concert. Um, yeah, yeah. I I quite often put on like a thunderstorm soundtrack at night. Yeah, totally. So, okay. So this is all building up to the, uh, you know, an announcement about Daydream that they are releasing a reference design for a headset. You know, so sort of like their Nexus line of phones, they refer to them as reference design so that developers mm-hmm. and, and manufacturers can see what's possible. And right. they, it's, it's the guide for the OEMs to, to, to work from. Exactly. And they're releasing what is essentially a, uh, uh, what's a Samsung Gear VR competitor. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. a comfortable, relatively inexpensive cradle for a smartphone that attaches to your face and has adjustable lenses, et cetera, et cetera. Cool. Yeah. And it looks, it looks a lot the VR, the gear VR. It's like, you know, it's what you'd expect. Um, so that's, that's supposedly coming in the fall. And is it going to use the, the cardboard platform? It is. I don't know if there's, I think Daydream is the new platform, if you will. So Daydream okay. is like all of this falls under Daydream. I think, I don't know if the, I don't know what the headset's called. I don't know if the headset's called Daydream or something, but what they're trying to do is they're trying to maintain the sort of mobile, approachable, and accessible their vision of of VR, but to now jack up the quality essentially. Yeah, gear, gear VR, but for any Android device, not just a Samsung list yeah. of specific Samsung ones. Exactly. So that is going to be very exciting. My my pulse is elevated after telling that story. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, okay. So that was, that's a, a cool gadget related piece of news. And they, re- they had another very cool gadget related piece of news, which is in the fall, they're going to release Google Home, which is a Amazon Echo competitor. I started to say this sounds like an, an Echo competitor. Mm-hmm. It looks like an air freshener kind of. It's a little more <laughs> like squat. It's a it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's sort of got a, an avocado shape to it and you can change the, the bottom has a sort of, I don't know if it's actually fabric. It looks like fabric and mm-hmm. you can change the colors and stuff. And the top has uh, a little like Google loading icon type of things when it's, when it's listening. So yeah. this is, you know, obviously you can imagine all the same use cases as Amazon, but I think a couple of things are really interesting about this. One is now there, there, there will be two actual consumer grade competitors in this space. I don't think there's really Mm -hmm. another one that I'm aware of. So this, this will be the first situation where people have a choice if they want this kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, I don't think they announced pricing, but really the, the key differentiator here is going to be the software, of course, because the quality of the voice interactions on Echo are very good in terms of accuracy, mm-hmm. 
but it doesn't, there are so many things it doesn't do. Yeah. I was just about to say that, um, what echo does, it does very well. Um, the, the voice recognition is very accurate. Um, all of, all of the stuff it does do is, is easy to do and it, and it works well, but for things like just general searching and general knowledge questions and that sort of thing, it's not nearly as good as, uh, like, okay, Google. Exactly. So, I can, and, and the other big thing about this is sort of behind the scenes, the software that's going to power it is they're announcing this new, it's kind of like a chatbot on steroids called Google Assistant, mm-hmm. which is another way to put it would be kind of like Google now everywhere, but better. So it's conversational computing inf- interface, but not necessarily voice. So it's the kind of thing that you can add into another application. Okay. I don't know how many people in the audience are familiar with Slack, but I know you are, Kelly. You mm-hmm. can add these sort of chatbots into Slack to do certain things for you, like set reminders or um, send notifications from other services. And it creates this sort of human-like interact. If you're used to, <laughs> if you're used to interacting <laughs> with humans via Through text. a chat interface, <laughs> yeah, it creates a somewhat human experience between you and a chatbot. Yeah, or or maybe more importantly, it lets you create a a centralized experience of through through a chat room, a centralized experience of of getting getting to see what all of your your services and integrations are up to. Mm-hmm. And so, what's interesting about this, I think, is that is that Sundar Pichai, CEO of Google, doesn't see it as a chatbot at all. And you know, someone I recently read an interview where they asked him about that, and like, oh, there are all these chatbots coming out. And he's like, no, this isn't. This isn't like that. It's like that in some ways, but it's way bigger than that. Like the chatbot is just one aspect of it. Right. It's like the, of course, to him, he sees it differently because there's so much, it's going to be so much better. He's like, it's Mm -hmm. not, he's like, you, you look at some, they listed some other ones and he was like, those are all like single use things. Like even the Slack bots that we use, they're single use things. Like each one is its own application. Yeah. This is, this is like the Star Trek computer in the cloud. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. He's like, he said, you know, this is like everybody's own personal Google assistant. So imagine you have a, imagine you have an assistant and you can just access them through chat or voice or phone call or anything and just ask them questions. And, and they send you back the answers as if, you know, they're Googling for you, sending you back the answers. But this is an assistant who actually knows your preferences and proactively We'll do things like, hey, you know, Mother's Day is coming up and I noticed you haven't gotten anything yet. Would you like yeah. me to send you some suggestions? Yeah. Or you're going on vacation next week in this cabin. Here's directions to it. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I told a story on the show a long time ago about the first time I used, uh, when I first started using Google Now, I once went out to the car. We were going to go to this uh, nursery near our house or, you know, plant nursery. And... Mm-hmm. I, as I was putting the car in reverse, my phone beeped with directions to the place I was about to go. <laughs> right. And it wasn't in my calendar, whatever. I mean, I guess we just, we had gone there at that time on the preceding, you know, the in the spring we go there a lot. I probably had, without even consciously knowing it, I'd probably gone there the last three Sundays in a row at around 11 a.m. Mm-hmm. And we spent a lot of time there because they have a, a playground with petting zoo and stuff. So the kids hang out there forever. So it knows I'm interested in that place. And, uh, and, and proactively gave me directions. Of course, it, that was kind of stupid because I didn't need them. It should also know that I have driven that <laughs> route 
I don't know, maybe I asked right. for directions on a previous version and it was just redoing that. <laughs> but the, the thing is, uh, Google has such scale now and they do know, yeah. you know, they do know a lot about me anyway, inter- between, yeah, between Android usage and Google Chrome usage on a variety of devices. Plus Gmail and, and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Big time. And, <clears throat> and while we're, while we're on this subject, there are, where's the number? A hundred different Android auto car models are available right now. So you can imagine a situation where you say either you're in your house, maybe you're getting ready to go out, you're getting dressed or doing the dishes or something. And mm-hmm. you say, uh, okay, Google, get me directions to Briggs nursery and send them to my car. And it'll know which Briggs nursery. It'll know which car. It'll know who you are. That's the big thing is to be able to tell who's talking, like send that, you know, being able to say, but they, they kind of advertise it this way. They're like, do this thing for me and send the result to my phone. Yeah. And, you know, imagining, you know, mom or dad saying that and the information going to the correct phone is correct phone. Pretty wild. Yeah. That's, that's one thing I wish Alexa could do that she doesn't. Yeah. Alexa, Alexa is great at about a dozen things and that's it. Yeah, and I, I use those things all the time. Don't get me wrong; I, I love it. I use it all. The, I use those things all the time. Hmm. But it would be nice to be able to do more. Yeah, totally. Me too. So there's a whole bunch of there's a whole bunch of this Google Assistant thing is a massive initiative for them. Clearly, where they are creating a consumer facing uh, suite of applications, I guess I would say that will be something that people can integrate into their own stuff and they're going to integrate it into their stuff. They announced new chat applications and new video calling applications and a whole bunch of smart replies and is really, I wouldn't, I wonder if you're going to have a VR Google assistant. Presumably. I mean, they're, they're definitely looking at this Google assistant thing as the next, next generation of Google search. Like, like the search box with yeah. the 10 blue links is no longer their paradigm. Right. It's going to be talking to or texting with or, or something mm-hmm. and then just getting the information given back to you. Yeah. They gave an example in the, in the talk of two people chatting about where to go to dinner and in the middle of the chat. So if you imagine like a Slack chat or Facebook messenger chat or, or mm-hmm. whatever, and they're like, Oh, where should we go? And then, and so one of them is like, Google, where should we go? And Google is like, Google like accesses the chat sees what they were talking about, goes out and finds some suggestions, says, you know, brings it back. Oh, you know, what about this place, this Mexican place? You had never been there. Like, no, we were thinking Italian. And like, not like Google, find Italian restaurants near me. It's more like, now we're thinking Italian. It goes, okay. And it bloop, 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 comes back <laughs> with, you know, uh, Al Forno's got a seat available, got, you know, two seats available at, at seven. You want me to book it? Yes. Thanks. Bye. That, that's awesome. Yeah. So you like pull the assistant in. It's not like a chat bot where you'd have to like go have a conversation with it. Like I did with Kilo or, you know, like Slack bots or whatever. Mm-hmm. You just like pull it. It's like always there. Like you just pull it in, you know? <laughs> so, you know, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people will be like, Oh, that's scary. Google's got too much access. And I'm like, yeah, I suppose it probably is a little yeah. scary. But Again, it comes back to, comes back to privacy versus hiding. <laughs> mm, right. Anyway, so the fall is going to be, this stuff's all going to launch in the fall. And there's a bunch of really cool, there's a whole bunch of, this whole new Beacon API. There's a ton of good stuff in this, in this announcement. That's cool. Yes. So, geez, actually been talking for a while. I suppose we could, is there anything we forgot or anything else we should say? 
Um, we didn't mention about the break. Oh, you're right. Good memory. So folks, this is, I think this is our 11th show of this season, but regardless, we're going to take a short break, quick hiatus. Kelly's going to go on a much deserved and needed vacation. (laughs) Much needed. (laughs) (laughs) And I've got some travel coming up. So we figured this would be a good time to take a few weeks off and we will see you back in your earbuds on July 15th, 2016. Yes. Cool. Sound good? Sounds good to me. All right. That's our show for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Kelly Shaver. And we hope you join us again next time for Terrifying Robot Dog. Bye. Bye. Would you like to support Terrifying Robot Dog? Just think of two friends who would dig the show and send them to terrifyingrobotdog.com for links to iTunes, Facebook, and RSS. If you don't have two friends, you can still help us out by leaving a nice review on iTunes. Thanks. Thanks.